This is the remix. Leaves failed to dump it in. Back in comes Greenway. Shot attempt. Muff comes in. They score. The initial shot was Muff. Fleury made a save, but could not control the rebound. And despite being outnumbered, the Wild managed to score. The Las Vegas Journal Review is... Coglin now in his own zone will try to create some space. Oh, he went in the wrong direction. Felino runs him over. Coglin then sends the puck slowly to the high slot. Couldn't get it out. Still alive. Left wing thrown in front. They score! Oh, a disastrous shift for the Knights. And the Wild take the lead. Started off with Tyler Bischoff from ESPN Radio. Marcus Felino down in the corner. Trying to wrap around. Sturm in front. Stop! And now it's in! It came in front. Sharp angle, very deep on the left side. Minnesota has struck once more. Benito makes it 3-2, wild. Doesn't matter what I say, Mike, you're gonna write every time, so it doesn't matter what you say. Now it's a two-on-one for the wild. Look out, here's Felino shooting, he scores! Top right corner, and it's 4-2 Minnesota. Boom, sadness, that's the one. Knights had a comeback win last night over the Minnesota Wilds, 5-4 in overtime. But I want to start here with Robin Leonard because Pete DeBoer asked about Robin Leonard again yesterday. And uh, I'll give you the timeline here first. February 7th, Robin Leonard, that's the last game he played for the Golden Knights. Uh, Mm -hmm. Pete DeBoer, after that game, said Robin Leonard tweaked his shoulder but not enough for him to leave the game. So that was February 7th. February 11th, Robin Leonard was supposed to start, but he did not. And Pete DeBoer, when asked about it that day, said that Robin Leonard tweaked something at morning skate. Now, he did not specify what it was, but that caused him to be unable to play. That was March 7th and then March 11th, right? Now, on March 1st, yesterday, Pete DeBoer again talking about Robin Leonard, and here's what he had to say. Um, <clears throat> no, I, I think it's one of those injuries that, uh, you know, really you, uh, when you get it, you you hope it's a week, um, you know, but it's all based on uh, on, on symptoms and, and becoming symptom-free. So, um, you know, and, and there is no timeline on, uh, on those type of injuries. So, uh, you're hopeful when the injury happens that it's a quick recovery, but uh, you're prepared that uh, if, if symptoms persist, that it might be a little bit longer. And um, I can just tell you that uh, it's heading in a positive direction and, um, you know, hopefully we'll see him soon. So, Ed, before I tell you what makes absolutely no sense about this, what are your thoughts on the way Robin Leonard is, uh, they're, they're, they're talking about Robin Leonard's injury? I got to be honest with you, I'm, uh, I'm like Justin Emerson was. I thought I knew, knew a couple weeks ago what was going on, but the more it goes, I don't know. I definitely don't want to speculate. Uh, that would be wrong to do. But, you know, when you saw it happen, like Justin said, you, 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 you saw that he got tweaked. He kind of bent over. And then the next day he actually shows up, or the next game he shows up theater and then leaves, has not been back since. So, I'm going to let it play out, Tyler. I, I don't know. I think it's it's been a long time not to go on, you know, long-term IR or not to have more of a substantial say in what this is. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate on it. But I, to, if you're asking me 
has been a lot longer than I thought it would be. Absolutely. Given what they said kind of early on about it. And now it just kind of seems like they're just keep going along with, you know what? He'll be back when he's back. I think Pete DeBoer's answer yesterday, I think he wants us to speculate because what Pete DeBoer described yesterday was a concussion. Pete DeBoer, he, yesterday he said that they hoped it was a week and it's now been longer than that. There were, we're at three weeks now. Uh, how many, how many injuries do you have that you hope you're only out a week and it ends up being three, four, or an undetermined amount of time? That's a concussion. He also used the word symptoms and you have to be symptom free. Now, before the pandemic, the only time in sports that we ever talked about symptoms were concussions. And do you right. have concussion-like symptoms? DeBoer never said the word concussion yesterday, but he said every other buzzword that goes along with the concussion. So Pete DeBoer yesterday was describing a concussion. That's what he was describing. The part that makes zero sense is the day that Robin Leonard was supposed to play, February 11th, and he did not play. Pete DeBoer said after that game that he tweaked something. And you would never describe a concussion as tweaking something. Like those are two completely no, no, different injuries. No. We don't yeah. know what the injuries are, but we went from he tweaked something to he has symptoms, he's out an undetermined amount of time. Those are two separate things. Those are two different injuries. So either Robin Leonard has two different injuries right now, or the Golden Knights don't really know how to not tell us what the injury is yeah. and haven't been able to describe it without telling us what it is, and they can't figure that part of it out. Because again, the same point we keep making about Robin Leonard is the Golden Knights would be in a much easier situation if they would just tell people what injuries yeah. are. If they would well, just say, he's out with this injury for this long, we would know. But instead we get, oh, it's a tweak. Now he's got symptoms and he's got a uh, clear symptoms before he comes back and we don't have any idea how long that takes. That's It, it just looks I mean, terrible as an organization. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think back, and I'm sure you're watching the game uh, as well. I don't think he got hit anywhere near his head. So, I mean, you're, you're right what he's describing, but it's almost like, did that, ha if that, let's say that's what it is, like, did that happen afterward? Like, that, I never remember a point where, like, oh, that looks bad, or he got shaken up, other than when he got kind of hit up high under the neck uh, or near the shoulder area. So, you might be completely right. If that is it, I'd love to know when that happened, because it never, in that game, you never got the sense that, you know, there was a hit to where he would have gotten a concussion. Um, and he was obviously didn't practice. But he hasn't practiced since, so he couldn't have done it, at, you know, at practice. Um, yeah, they are leaving this way, way open for speculation. But, you know, this is not the first time. This is what most of the NHL does. Not all of it, though. We have seen some teams step right up and say, hey, meniscus and ACL, and this guy's out and all that. They obviously tend to be on the other side of this, and they don't let any information out whatsoever if they can help it. So maybe they do want people to speculate. I don't know if that's true, but they're not going to give us anything. Yeah, I mean, when, when DeBoer starts talking about symptoms and undefinite timeline or indefinite timelines, that's that's exactly what how you would describe a concussion. That's exactly mm -hmm. how, you know, coaches and players and everyone has described concussions throughout the right. last five to ten years in, in sports. Those are the buzzwords that go around. The only one he didn't use was concussion protocol or getting right, out of protocol protocol that's, protocol. that's yeah. the only buzzword he didn't use yesterday so i like to me that's what DeBoer was basically letting on yesterday without saying it but that doesn't make sense based on what they had said back in february when robin leonard was first out now on mark on flurry and what the golden knights are facing if robin leonard is 
again, how long is he out for? We don't, yeah, we don't nobody know. Nobody knows. No. But they have to stop playing Marc-Andre Fleury in every game. They, they have to. Like, again, if they expect Robin Leonard to be back this weekend or something like that, then okay, you'll be fine. But they cannot continue to play Marc-Andre Fleury in every single game if they don't know when Leonard's going to be back. Because you are going to wear Marc-Andre Fleury out to the point that you get to the playoffs, and he might be useless by the time you get there yeah. because you just made him play every other day for like three straight months. And we've seen it. We've seen it across the NHL the last five years. Goalies who get rest in the regular season tend to perform better in the playoffs. And the way this is set up right now, they're horrified to play Oscar Dansk, and they're going to keep playing Flurry. And I think it's a massive mistake when Robin Leonard's not there to just continue to wear Flurry out. Well, let's say Leonard's not back. It has to be this weekend, right? They go back-to-back at San Jose on Friday and Saturday. And we've talked about this, and Justin talked about this. And I, I'm with you. I don't really think it matters because they're going to get to the playoffs. And I don't even know how much seeding matters. I mean, you, you kind of go in, and you see that all the time in playoff hockey. T- teams win that shouldn't. So I don't even know really what matters at this point. But they go Friday, Saturday in San Jose. And there is yet again a team that's not very good at all, you know, despite their win against the Avalanche last night. You've got to start playing other people against these lower teams. I mean, if you want to say you're playing Colorado or someone like that, you want your best guys okay. But Oscar Danks, if he continues to be the backup and Leonard's out, he has to start one of these games in San Jose. And this is a a beginning of back-to-backs throughout, like, the next month. You've got to start playing the other guys. I'm with you on that, especially against these type of teams. And like Justin and you both said, so you lose to San Jose. Like, it's not going to make a difference in the the long run. They're going to go to the playoffs. So I don't know why there'd ever be like, oh, you know, should we really play him? I'd start playing that guy like, I don't know if you do it every other game, but you got to start playing other people on the, at, this, at this point. And I, I wonder if, if we're trying to sort of read into what the Golden Knights did over the weekend. They sent Oscar Dance down to the AHL and Oscar Dance played in the yeah. AHL. And it was the first time in like a year that Oscar Dance could play hockey. And I wonder if they did that to get ready for this upcoming weekend when they have a back-to-back and they said, okay, we're going to play Oscar Dansk in a game, but we don't want his first game in about a year to be in the NHL. So let's let him play in the AHL a few times and then, you know, bring him up the next weekend. So I wonder if that was sort of their plan this past couple of weeks was, all right. That's a good point. Yeah. Give Oscar Dansk some games because we're going to use him in the near future because again, that so far, what Flurry's done, it's it's not a big deal. Like you, you, this is fine, but you just can't stay on this pace for the course of yeah. a season and expect Flurry to a stay as good as he has been for the entire season. But more importantly, actually be fresh and be good once the playoffs yeah. get here because that's what's important for this. Team. That's that's a great point, but you never even thought of that. But he hadn't played in a year, and you get him two games, and you can't you can't simulate that in practice ever. So that's a great point for you. I mean, I, I, you have to play him this weekend. Let's say Leonard's not back, and it doesn't appear he's going to be back for who knows how long. At least you're not throwing him in there. And, hey, by the way, this is the first game action in the year. You got him two games. I didn't even think of that. So, yeah, I assume he gets one in San Jose, and, you know, he's not shell-shocked because it's the first time he's been in net in over a year. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, again, they should be. They probably should have already been playing Oscar Dansk in a couple of these games since Leonard's been out, but they've gotten by with some breaks and, and Flurry not having to play. You know, I think he's played one back to back in one, three, and four days, but they're going to have you know back to back in three and four days, Friday, Saturday, Come and Monday. Yeah. yeah. So 
that's a time where it's, it's really bad to give Flurry all three of those games. And you need, even if it's Oscar Dance, even if you don't really trust Oscar Dance as an NHL-level goalie, your team should be good enough that you're not just going to go 0-10-0 with Oscar Dansk right. in there if you need to play him in 10 games. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into Bischoff's Priest because Paul Weir is out at New Mexico, but we're going to do a fun comparison to Marvin Menzies, TJ Otzelberger, and UNLV. William Hill is giving you a free 50 bucks to bet when you sign up for a new mobile sports account Use the promo code GET50, that is G-E-T-5-0, and then when you make a minimum $50 in sports bets, you'll get a free $50 in your account from William Hill. You get a free 50 bucks, and you can place all your bets straight from your phone. It's bet 50, get 50 from William Hill. Just remember the promo code GET50. For more details, visit WilliamHill.us. Bischoff's Briefs. So I, uh, I figured it out. Bischoff's Briefs. My hot dogs come in packages of 10 and hot dog buns come in packages of 8. Bischoff's Briefs. See, the thing is that life doesn't always work out according to plan. Bischoff's Briefs. So, be happy with what you got. You can always get a hot dog. So over the weekend, Paul Weir, uh, New Mexico, mutually parted ways. Uh, Paul Weir took less of his uh, contractual buyout, but he is now going to be out as New Mexico's head coach after this season ends. Some fun facts about Paul Weir. Four seasons at New Mexico. Never had a team in the Ken Palm Top 100. Uh, his record right now, 58-61, and 61, still has this season to finish. Uh, he was 12-6 and six in the Mountain West in his first season, 16-36 and 36 in the Mountain West since then. Even if you throw out this season, which has been uh, pretty brutal for New Mexico, he was still just 500 in the Mountain West through his first three years. Now, that first year for Paul Weir did a lot of work in terms of how good people thought he was. They went 12-6. and six. They got the three seed in the Mountain West Tournament. But in the Mountain West Tournament, they made it to the conference final, uh, but they beat six-seed Wyoming in the first game, seven-seed Utah State in the second game, and then lost to five-seeded San Diego State in the title game. Paul Weir never beat a team seeded higher than his team in the Mountain West Tournament. Uh, the last two years, they were the seven-seed and beat the ten-seed before losing to the two. Now... To compare against the coaches of UNLV from recent future, uh, recent past, Marvin Menzies, his record at UNLV was 48 and 48, but he went 23 and 31 in conference play. Otzelberger is one game over 500 at the moment, 28 and 27. He is 20 and four in Mountain West play, thanks to that 12 and six record last year. But just like Paul Weir. Neither Marvin Menzies nor TJ Altselberger has a win against a team that is seeded better than them in the Mountain West Tournament. So, Ed, before I continue with briefs, I do want to ask you this question. Menzies comes from New Mexico State. Weir comes from New Mexico State. Altselberger comes from South Dakota State. Should UNLV and New Mexico be schools that are avoiding hiring coaches from smaller schools? Hold on, I was on mute. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> nah. Uh, the show no, is I don't, back. No, I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I think it's. I do think it's fair to take every case individually. Uh, when you get to eight, nine, ten examples, maybe rethink it. But I don't think. And the other thing, 
Tyler is in in terms of who they can hire. We threw out, you know, teams earlier, Patino and all these names. Like sometimes it comes down to who you can get and who you are willing to pay and what you're willing to pay. Uh, that's always been, you know, uh, a question about UNLV, how much are you willing to pay to go get a big name guy? So I don't think it's a situation where they should never look to small school guys. It's all individual, but you know, the ones you've mentioned have not worked out uh, for whatever reason. Um, I asked Adam Candy yesterday, and I know you're going to New Mexico. I'd like to ask you, with the right guy, do you still think New Mexico is a top three program in the league? Oh, what a question to lead me into the second half of Bischoff's See, this is, why, this, is why, this is why we're partners. I, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but I led you into the second part. Because New Mexico, like UNLV, is viewed as like this big-time Mountain yeah. West team, a, a sleeping giant in the Mountain right. West. But if you look at the last 20 years of New Mexico basketball, this program has been terrible with the exception of the Steve Alford years. Yeah, Richie Alford. McKay was the head coach from 2002 to 2007. He had one NCAA tournament appearance there. Steve Alford came in, and the year before Alford came in, New Mexico was 149 in Ken Palm. They weren't even close to the NCAA tournament. Alford came in and immediately had them in the top 50 in Ken Palm in year one. And all six years that Steve Alford was at New Mexico, they were top 50 in Ken Palm. They went to the NCAA tournament three times. Alford leaves. Craig Neal becomes the head coach. They do go to the NCAA tournament in his first season. But since that first season for Craig Neal, New Mexico hasn't been top 100 in Ken Palm since then or in the NCAA tournament. Seven straight seasons, no top 100 ranking in Ken Palm. Just for comparison, even UNLV's had two top 100 Ken Palm seasons since then, and UNLV hasn't even been that good. They haven't made the NCAA tournament either, but they've at least had a couple of top 100 seasons by Ken Palm. Now, to compare it to UNLV, UNLV had some decent seasons under Charlie Spoonhauer. They were top 100 under Spoonhauer. But then Lon Kruger came in, and he was basically the Steve Alford, right? Lon Kruger came in and had a lot of good teams in a row, went to the NCAA tournament. And then when he left, Dave Rice took over. And just like Craig Neal, had some success right away. Rice had a little bit more than Neal, but had some success right away. But ultimately, that tenure didn't work out, and it sort of was trending downwards by the end. And then Paul Weir and Marvin Menzies came in from New Mexico State to each of these jobs, and neither one of them ended up succeeding. So when we look at these two jobs in the Mountain West, I think, yeah, it, it's obvious to say they're in a better spot than a Wyoming, right? They're in a better spot than a lot of the teams in this conference. But over the last 20 years, both of them have had one good stretch under one coach, and that's pretty much it. You've had a yeah. lot of other coaches come in and fail, so... Yeah, they sh they should. You think New Mexico and UNLV should be better programs, and, and you, they should be able to turn it around. But it feels like they're in the same position that a lot of Mountain West schools are, and it's that you've got to make a great hire. And if you don't hire the Eric Musselman or the Craig Smith, your team's just not going to be good. There's nothing about New Mexico or UNLV that's special enough to actually be good. Yeah, a lot of giants have been sleeping over the years. But, um, <laughs> you know, look, if you do your due diligence – Maybe you get Craig Smith. Maybe you get a Musselman. You got to be lucky. You got to be really fortunate that guys like that want to come. Uh, you you know you can pay them what they want, and then they can make it happen for you. So uh, you know I think I think look the, there's no question that you know the jury's out on TJ. Next year's a huge 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 year for him. I was just texting someone a while ago about that in terms of I mean this is it next year. You have to make a move. We've seen what Craig Smith's done. I think he's a terrific coach. And then others like 
Paul Weir can't get it done and fails miserably. Um, so I think if you're UNLV right now, you're really, really hoping that you made the right decision. And, you know, next year, you'll probably know one way or the other. Someone, someone texted me the other day, what do you think? I said, well, let's see it next year in March. Because if they're where they are now, then no, it wasn't a good move. But if they're on the bubble or, you know, kind of in like the BYU range of, hey, we think we're in, then yeah, they've taken a step forward. Yeah, and that that's going to be the key next year is to prove that Otzelberger was a good hire and Otzelberger yeah. can actually do it here because they've got to show that progress next year. Otherwise, he might not get fired after next year because they'd still owe him two years on his contract if they did, but otherwise you're looking at another hire like Menzies, like Paul Weir, hell, throw um, Craig Neal and Dave Rice in there. Hires at two of the more high-profile schools in this conference that didn't work out, and it gets to a point where you start asking yourself, are these really high-profile schools, or is it just hard to win here, just like it is at Wyoming? It shouldn't be, but that's what we're looking at over the last 20 years is these schools make one good hire. They've got four or five years of good teams, and then the next three or four coaches just can't get it done because it's we think it's a better job than it actually is. It, that might be the case. Like, if Otzelberger can't turn it around, what's to say that's not the case over the last two decades? Yeah, and again, I, I get, look... We, you know, Tark's not here. I mean, you know, he's gone now. So, you know, and he, they won the title. And that's what you're all the time defining this job. Well, they won it. You know what? That's a long time ago. Kids have changed. The game has changed. What's important to kids have changed. Uh, the, the, the power five and the money and the TV and all that, it's completely different. So every time they do a search, you're right. There's this perception that it's just an incredible job and, you know, the town and everything. It's just, it's not 1989-90, I think, in a lot of ways that people don't want to admit that. And it's kind of, like you said, you just gave the numbers. It's come to fruition that it's not that way anymore. And you have to somewhat get fortunate with who you can afford and the decision you make on who to bring in here. All right, coming up next, we will be joined by the head coach of the Lady Rebels, Lindy LaRock. Joining us now is the head coach of the Lady Rebels, Lindy LaRock. Lindy, how are you this morning? Hi, Lindy. Good morning, Good morning guys. Uh, so, your team, you guys uh, get to 12 or 13 Mountain West wins. You guys are locked into the two-seat of the Mountain West tournament. Uh, but you don't play for, like, what, 10 days before the tournament starts. Are you sitting around saying you want the tournament to start now? I wouldn't mind if it was a couple days early. Um, we're, we're kind of enjoying just practicing a little bit, working on some of our stuff. But, um, you know, it, it kind of feels like a, it's a long time away, but um, we're just happy to kind of be in this position we are and excited to play when we can. Is this one of the situations where you're just calling the conference off and say we would prefer to be on the road? Because <laughs> I don't really care who you play at any level. When you've been as good as you guys are on the road, that's, like, pretty special. Like, teams don't do that, and you know as well as anyone, to, especially when you're playing teams back-to-back -back and they have, you know, they have tape and the next game. And, I mean, what? why do you think this has happened and, and you've been so good away from home? Yeah, this year I wouldn't I wouldn't have minded if uh, the conference tournament was somewhere, <laughs> somewhere else. But, um you know, we'll, I've told their team, you know, that Thomas and Mac really truly isn't technically our home court. So it's like an away game, you know, because we're not in the Cox Pavilion. So hopefully we can keep up some of our, you know, away court mojo going. But um, it, it's been a crazy year, you know, to kind of really do what we've done on the road um, in an interesting format, playing teams back to back. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I know 
all, all of the reason why or, or how or, or what's going on, but I'm trying not to, you know, just dissect it too much and just let it happen because what we've got going, it, it's working. So, you know, you don't want to fix it or, or change it too much. What's been uh, the most interesting part as a coach playing teams uh, two straight games? A couple of them you've done back-to-back, but getting a day off in between. What's been most interesting to you when you play the same team two days in a row or two out of three? Well, I think the most interesting thing is that the games are completely different. And, you know, however the first game goes, it's almost like you know for a fact the second game is going to be completely opposite. And the, and the, what I mean more is like style of play, a real physical game, and then, you know, more of a shooting game. Or, you know, it's like someone can have a, a, a bad outing, a, an individual player can have a bad outing, and then, you know, the next game they can go for 30. So we've kind of experienced that on both sides. Um, so it, it's definitely, you know, competitively, I don't know. I, obviously, I don't think it's an ideal situation. You see the Knights doing it. You see NBA teams doing it. I don't think anyone truly loves it. But for what we're dealing with and to try to get as many games in, um, I do think it is kind of like the smartest approach. So, you know, we've, we've tried to make the most of it. Uh, you know, when a new coach comes in, you hear this often, so, so often with coaches, like the buy-in factor, how, how soon will they buy in? How soon will they listen and, and kind of do what you want them to do? How fast did that happen for you? I mean, when you came in, did you have any idea how quickly that might happen? And, and how long did it take for them to really buy in? Well, you know, everything started so virtually. I mean, it's like we're almost just a couple weeks away from when I was hired, you know, to be a full year, which is kind of crazy to even think about. Um, and so, honestly, I, I wasn't sure how it was going to go just because all of our things were on Zoom. Everything was on Zoom. We didn't, I didn't really truly meet our players face-to-face until August. And that was like, you know, six months after I've been hired. So it was, it was definitely a different approach. Um, you know, I think how I tried to, you know, really be just transparent and crystal clear with our expectation and our standard, um, you know, so they kind of had like a clear cut choice, either I'm going to do it, or I'm going to not, and there's not going to be, you know, kind of that gray area in between, or I can go back and forth. And so, um, you know, we, I, I think I'm really lucky and fortunate that we've had, you know, some great senior leadership. We have one senior Bailey Thomas, who, um, you know, from the get-go, she jumped on board, like, you know, head first. And so sometimes when you can have an upperclassman do that, you know, the younger players just kind of fall in line. And they're like, well, she's doing it, then we're going to do it. Um, you know, so I kind of credit, obviously, them for just giving me, I think, frankly, some blind trust there in the beginning. And then, you know, obviously, our um, we worked our tail off to really earn that trust and prove, um, you know, gain the respect from them. Um, and, and show them kind of how we're going to be prepared and organized um, and come ready to win from the get-go. All right. Give us, give us the weirdest part of traveling and playing games on the road during a pandemic. Well, I think the weirdest part is, you know, in a typical year, the best part of traveling is, you know, having meals together and, you know, kind of side conversations and, you know, just, you know, socializing over meals. And for the most part, we have to get our – meals delivered to the lobby. We got to take them. We got to go and eat in our room. And that's weird. You know, it's like, it's really kind of feels, um, isolating, you know, even when, when we're on the road, obviously, you know, here in town, we kind of go back to our own houses and have our own meals. But, um, when we're there together and all we know is each other, 
I think that's probably the weirdest part. And then, you know, having to wake up early and go here and get tested and kind of do all the same protocols that that almost feels normal now, which is crazy. But I think just the meals and not being able to kind of just really, you know, enjoy some of the bonding time, you know, that would normally happen, especially on the road. Uh, this is a, a battle between Tyler and I. If you took a, a poll of your team, would they prefer Chick-fil-A or Jimmy John's? <laughs> um, I think we are definitely a Chick-fil-A team. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's why they're depressing. winning, Ed. That's depressing. why they're That's winning. That's why they're not in all the road. Teams. <laughs> right. Well, if you would have said between Chick-fil-A and Canes, then I, I, I would have oh, been torn because yeah. I think they both would – <laughs> both, both those two places, they'd have that over probably anything that I'm providing them on the daily. <laughs> <laughs> Lindy LaRock with us, the head coach of the Lady Rebels. Again, they are uh, locked into the two-seat for the Mountain West Tournament, even though that won't start uh, for a few more days. Um, I'm curious, when, when you look at a lot of the results you guys have had, because you, you've won, I mean, you won the last two against Fresno State by a combined three points. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think has been the key for your team to be able to win so many close games this year? Well, I mean, merely, I think we've been in a lot of close games, you know, so, um, and, and for the most part, we've been able to be on the good side of them. So just that experience alone, I think has been helpful. Um, and I also, you know, we try to practice those situations a lot. Um, you know, even yesterday we had practice and we're doing end of game situations. And so I think, you know, hopefully, and and that and we can see it in our outcomes is that even though they're late game, it's high stress, high pressure situations, they feel prepared. You know, as a coach, I I feel very prepared. I you know I kind of run through a lot of those situations in my head and with our staff. You know, regularly we watch a lot of games of other teams and try to learn. Well, what would we do in that circumstance? And then we bring it to practice and we go through those with our team. So, um, you know, I'd like to think that we we've had you know such great success especially late in games and kind of high pressure situations because we practice them um you know and a lot of times those small intricacies can get lost you know and kind of you know wanting to get shots up and running through plays and scouting the opponent and stuff you know sometimes that gets put on the back burner but we've tried to i knew coming into the year we were going to be in a lot of close games so from the very get-go we practice you know situations and put our team um, in different positions. So hopefully, you know, that that's why they feel so comfortable. Yeah. Your, your margins only your margins, I think at least, uh, less than three without a lot of seniors. Is that even more pleasing to you that you've been able to win close games when you're not putting, you know, three, four, five seniors on a court at one time? Absolutely. I mean, coming into the year, we had a very quote inexperienced team, um, a, a lot of young players, and then players that were returning just didn't get a bunch of major minutes last year. So, you know, I was telling them even yesterday, like, our freshmen, you're not freshmen anymore. Our sophomores, you're not sophomores anymore. You've had a you've had a whole, you know, year, a whole season of experience. And so it's been great for our young players to get that experience. Um, and, you know, they've they kind of got thrown into the deep end there at the beginning. And so now we're really uh, treading water and, and swimming. Well, she is Lindy LaRock, head coach of the Lady Rebels. They are currently in second place in the Mountain West. Lindy, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Lindy. Good luck. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me Take and care. look forward to talking with you again soon. See you soon. You so, yeah, boy, like the last nine on the road. I, that's hard. I don't I don't even care who you're playing. Like, just to be on the road and win that many straight is not easy no matter what level you're at.
They are uh, six and eight at home, nine and zero oh on the road. I mean, I, can she can she call the conference <laughs> office and say, please send us to Laramie for the conference tournament? <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty incredible to be oh, that good <laughs> away from home while while also being under five hundred at home. Yes, like that's, that's the just... it's not it's not like they're ten and one at home and nine oh. and zero oh on the road. No, they're they're under I mean, five hundred at home this year, I, and they've won a lot of close games on the road too. Their last their last three wins have all been on the road and all by two points or less. Wow, I do like her. Uh, I do like her um, psychology with her team. This is this is really a road game now. Yes, we have to walk across the concourse. We have to walk. We have to walk across the concourse to get there, but this is a road game. Should she put them on a bus? Oh my drive God, them, yes. yes. Drive them yes. like out to Summerlin and then yes. circle back and be like, yes. all right, we're here. We yes. got no, it's we, a long, I, long road trip. We're here. Stop stop at Chick-fil-A on the way just to get them you, something to eat because it's a long trip. Actually, this this I mean you're it's a dumb idea, but go put them up at the M. <laughs> <laughs> Go put them up at the M. They have to wake up the next day. We got a game tomorrow, guys. So uh, we're gonna. I need you on the bus so that we can travel to the stadium for, for shoot around. Oh. But you, but you can't just go straight from the M to Thomas and Mac. You got to no, drive gotta, like around yeah. town yeah. and be like, oh, the bus driver's lost. Yeah. Never been oh, in this part yeah. of town before. Doesn't know where to you, go. You got so to do, do a couple touristy things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's allowed right now, Jared. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Which, by the way, one other thing on the Lady Rebels and, and the Mountain West women's basketball as a whole, they're having a phenomenal season. The part that sucks about it is the Mountain West on the women's basketball side is a one-bid league. Like, if you look, like, their net ranking is still 112. And there's a few teams that are ahead of them. But, like, the Mountain West, even if you have a great season, you've almost got no chance added a large bid to get in like it is truly a one bid league which the men's side has been too recently but that's the sort of disappointing part here is even if the lady rebels if they end up losing in the conference championship game or something they don't get to go to the ncaa tournament which sucks right it's been that way for a while though right i mean yeah, look i'm not gonna has. pretend to know it's been they've gotten two bids recently i'm not sure about that but i i it's usually kind of the annual the annual theme of the, of the tournament for the women is like okay if you win you're in and if not, you're not going. Yeah, and that's uh, like what Boise State. What did they win? Like four straight conference tournaments yeah. a couple of years yeah. ago, and it was like an incredible run because that's yeah. the only way you get in. And and they managed to do it four straight times because winning a conference tournament's difficult because it's a little bit of a crapshoot. But Boise State did it four straight years on the women's side, so it's it it sucks from that regard that it's not a. And that's why, like, I mean, hell, Kathy Olivia, what, what was she here for? Seven, eight years, and what did they yeah. go to with the NIT one time? Yeah, and that was. I mean, you make the NIT, that's a big deal because that's not something Mountain West teams normally get to do, even on the women's side. So that's a part of it that kind of sucks, is that the conference isn't quite good enough that having a good year doesn't lead to much. She's done a so. great job. Look, she's I think she came expecting to win. She won big time as a high school kid. I mean, she played for one of the greatest college coaches ever at Stanford. She won national championships. I think she probably walked in, virtually or not, with the expectation that they're going to win. That, that means a lot when someone's won as much as she has. Like, I don't think she puts up with anything other than winning. So it seems the program's in really, really good hands with her. You mean to tell me a coach can come in on a first-year job and actually win in the first year? Yes, it, apparently so. Apparently so. that was impossible. All right, coming up next, it's the dessert menu, and we'll find out if you want to go to space. Let's end the show with something sweet. This is the dessert menu, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union, prioritizing people over profit.
There could be a hotel in space by 2027. This has been the Dessert Menu, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Become a member today at SilverStateCU.com. All right, Ed, are you signing up to go to the hotel in space? How many points am I getting? Oh, Jesus. Because if <laughs> I, I mean, get, that's actually if this, a really good yeah, point. If this quadruples my points because I have to travel so far, I'm probably on the ship. But if I'm just getting regular points, like in a courtyard where you only get three times instead of ten times, I'm not making the trip. So, if, is this a full-service hotel in space? Because if it's only like a courtyard, I can't do it. I can't travel that far. Listen, according to this story in the New York Post, they're going to have concert venues. They're going to have oh. a health spa. There's going to be a movie theater, uh, gyms, libraries. This is going to oh. be a big hotel. Okay, but they understand that there will still not be gravity. Okay, so that's, here's, here's, my, here's my problem here. All right. This story in the New York Post has all these renderings from whatever the hell this company is that thinks they're putting a hotel in space in 2027. All of the renderings show people just walking or sitting as if gravity exists on this hotel. Now, you may think you need gravity to go to a hotel. I'm telling you right now. First off, yes, I want to go to space and go to the space hotel. But second off, the gravity part of this, if I go to a hotel in space, there better not be any damn gravity. I want to be swimming around through the air the entire time I'm there. Yeah, actually, yeah, Tyler's 100% correct. That's the point of space. I, exactly. Yeah. I'm in space. I want to have to I, swim up to the window to look at Earth. I don't want to be walking. Yeah. Don't you give me fake I, gravity. I want At night, when I go to bed, I want to have to zip myself into a sleeping bag that's Velcroed to the wall. <laughs> I and was, that's I, how I sleep. You, you, I, you I don't know if I like this. I'm looking at these people. I'm looking at these people looking out at Earth. There's no TV in the room. Like, oh my God! Oh how my often God. do you have to? How, how much do you, you need to see worse. Earth? I look out the window. I said, "Hey, there's Earth," and then I I need my Netflix. Bring a phone. You, you actually should probably get really good reception. You're right by the satellite. Yes. <laughs> I don't like this thing. I, You're right. They're, they're walking around like there's no. This doesn't make sense. Right, but I'm saying like they they are apparent. They're striving to have gra they, They're going to have some robot that makes gravity, or I don't know how the hell that works. I'm not smart enough for that. But I don't want that. I, I if I go to a hotel in space, do not give me the gravity. I I don't want it. There's no chance. I why then I'm just on a hotel. I if I'm in space, I want to know that I'm floating the hell around. That's what I want. These stories always have the best quotes in it. And one guy's quoted as, people need gravity so their bodies won't fall apart. Like, okay. I mean, well, okay. he's always, you know, he said that with like a straight face, I'm sure, when they asked him about the hotel. And by the way, who's building this thing up there? Like, who's hammering in the That's, nails? What, what are those people going to be doing? I will, okay, so a couple things. First of all, that has to be the best contractor job in the history of construction. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so how much do you think it's going to cost? Well... First estimate is this, but also it's going to be in space, so we expect some overage. Like, <laughs> you know, we're going to need a little wiggle room in the budget. Second thing, he's not wrong that people, like, it's not that you fall apart, it's you deteriorate without gravity. That's why astronauts have to work out while they're in space. <laughs> but not immediately. I'm going for, like, a five days. I'll survive five days without well, gravity. That's also the question, though, is there's it's a different level of pressure on your body it's sort of like you know diving directly in like scuba diving way too deep too fast you'll get the what is it the bins 
Like you get like sick uh, when you put different pressures on your body that it's not used to. There's just no way I could expense this trip. <laughs> I mean, it would just. I mean, I I I, can't, oh. I I I don't have the limit to do this. I I just can't get up there. And I don't know if I'd want. I'd be a little. I don't know. I mean, do you really want to go up to this thing and? You know, yes. like Jared said, like if you're missing like some, you're missing like some serious parts. You got to, you got to phone down to Earth, and Jimmy's bringing them up at noon. I mean, I don't, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know. Listen, I mean, I'm sure there's someone out there thinking he's going to do it though. Listen, Ed, I've, I've got the idea for you to expense it. You, <laughs> you go to space. <laughs> you go to the space hotel. Uh, you already lost and, me. And the idea here is that you are going to watch a Raiders game with Jason Witten in space and then oh, write about it. Boy, you know how many clicks I'd get off that story? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean... Are you kidding me? That would be the most popular story for like the next 10 months. I would say... I would also say that you could easily go with like a... Why don't we do a Maui Invitational, but it's in space? Oh, yes. Oh, I'm, yes. We might be able to write this off if uh, it's UNLV with a chance to make the NSA tournament. <laughs> like, I might be able to say, get up there. And, and, and the, the best, we could ask her on Friday, the best battle by far would be Cassie versus Heidi Fang for the videographer. <laughs> I mean, they would go at it to be on this trip. Would they, um, wait, you think Cassie would want to go to space? Yeah, I mean, what's she waiting down here for? She's not getting engaged. Might as well go to space. <laughs> what's she waiting around for? That's oh, not gonna oh happen. God, I can already imagine uh, the freaking uh, the Instagram posts of her dog in like a little space yes, helmet. Exactly. Yeah. Oh no! What are those things that? Uh, not that I would ever do this, or maybe have in the past those uh, those uh, jackets you put on the dog so you can take them into hotels. Wait. What? Oh. The, um. <laughs> Service animals? animals? Yes, yes. Not that I'd ever do that with our Shih Tzu, but um, maybe she, yeah, she throws one of those jackets on so the dog can come up with her as well. Are, I, are, mean, I don't think Shih Tzus are even close to being qualified <laughs> to being service dogs. No, for anxiety, we you might need the lady Shih Tzu on, on a few trips. You know, she <laughs> le- makes you less anxious, Tyler. Not that I'd ever do that. You sound like you've done this. Why do you sound like you've done this? That's <laughs> off the record. No comment. You, you're now, offering I'll like, it up hey, to us. Yeah, this is listen, just like, hey, oh, listen, yeah, sometimes I'm driving 95. Uh, like, listen, Ed, stop admitting <laughs> to crimes. I'm not going to tell you, but if if you ever need one, it appears to be a lot of options on Amazon for those jackets. <laughs> okay. But, all right, so we need to ask Sam and Ash this at some point. Ed, as, Ed keeps admitting to crime. <laughs> Can't prove it, Jared. Can't prove it. Can't prove it, Jared. You tell me I don't have anxiety, my friend. You prove that for before you come down that road. It doesn't matter whether or not you actually have anxiety. (laughs) It's whether or not the dog is an actual service dog. Jared, we'll just pull the the Tucker Carlson route. When we go to court and are being sued, we'll just say, well, nobody thinks what we say is the truth. (laughs) No, no. Have you listened to the show for five minutes? Yeah, it's not truthful. (laughs) It's all entertainment. All of it's entertainment. None of this is real. Nothing that's happening hey, is real. No. The E in ESPN stands for entertainment. That's yes, right. Exactly. That's right. None of this is real. We're all going to space, though. Um, <laughs> we will. I assume by 2027, we will still be doing the show from home. Uh, yes. So I'll just go. I'll just go to space and do it from space instead. <laughs> That'll Boy, be better. I could mute myself in space for a while. 
Okay, you guys. Are you, are you there? Are, they, 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 are you there? You're up in space. We can't hear you. Have you heard of the concept of the speed of sound? Because it would genuinely be the worst show we've ever done. Because the sound would have to reach Tyler, and then Tyler's sound would have to reach us back on Earth. It's a 14 minute delay. <laughs> Jared, you say that like the quality of these shows have been good since we've been doing it yes, from home come anyway. Come on, Jared. Come on. Ed opened Ed. His, his Frappuccino in a break today. <laughs> some guy some guy heard that yesterday. It took him two two minutes to tweet. He thought it was a soda tan. I said, come on, it's eight in the morning. Uh, you can drink soda in the morning. What's wrong with oh, you? Oh, get no. your metabolism going. Let's get oh, some soda pumping no. through those veins. Sacrilegious. 